You're listening to a Church Doctor production. Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to this, our fourth episode in the Christianity as a Movement. We're going to focus this time on the power of story, and this is Christianity as a Movement, and story is huge. It's just amazing, the power of story. Hollywood is built on the power of story. Shakespeare became famous on the power of story. Stories move people. Stories change things. Ed Catmill, the CEO of Pixar, once said, Stories communicate at a deeper level. Stories are the way we communicate with each other. Stories are powerful. Stories will change the world. Disney World is built on stories. All these powerful stories move people. And movements, like Christianity, is supposed to be a movement has three stories. Like every movement, there are three stories. Number one, my personal story. Every movement has my personal story. People in the movement have their personal stories. Your personal stories are what God has done in your life. My stories are what God has done in my life. And when I tell my stories, and when you tell your stories, you are at the doorstep, the first step of a movement. So, when I was a pastor, I encouraged people to share their God stories. It started with a question, which was our whole theme of episode three, the interrogative influence, the power of questions. I just asked people, anybody want to share what God's done in your life since we were together seven days ago in this Bible class? And at first nobody answered. Then I did it again, no one answered. Then I did it the third week and one person shared And then I tried it two weeks after that. Nobody shared. Then the next week, two people shared. And in nine months, I had to cut it off at 15 minutes in Bible class or we couldn't get to the Bible study. And then in 18 months, they were starting to share their God stories outside of the church with unchurched people in their social networks. And what happened is that church, and it's over 100 and... 25-year history, for the first time anybody knew, even the people that knew all the history, that church became a movement. It can happen. But it begins with this personal story. You have personal stories. You have a personal story about your life, and then you have many personal stories that are embedded in that life. I remember once, this is part of my story, I remember once when 
My wife and I were young, and we had severe financial stress. And we did something that people who aren't Christians would say is crazy. We upped the percentage of giving that we were giving from 7% to 10%. Why? Well, because a stewardship leader spoke to a group, and we were in the group, and he shared God's promises, and he made the claim that you can't outgive God, and he told his personal story, and I was moved, and so was my wife. And we thought, here we sit, broke, trying to just make it. In fact, we had questions of whether we were going to make it. And we decided, you know what? If you're generous with God, he'll be generous with you. We're going we're gonna to move it up 3%. We went from 7% to 10% of our income. And my story is that God blessed us in ways that we could have never perceived. Not in a million years had we would have ever guessed what was going to happen. And we've been increasing our giving all our lives, and God keeps providing blessings. I could do a whole series of podcasts on that alone. And if it would sound like boasting, it would be boasting in God, not us. That's part of my story. It's not us, it's God. So that's the first level, number one. Everybody has their personal stories. Number two, then the second part of stories, of movements, is our story. For Christians, those are the stories of what God is doing in our church right now. The values we share, the sense of community we feel, the mission we're on, the impact of our community, not the gossip of bad things that happen once in a while, like, oh, our pastor made a mistake or, you know, the bulletin had error in it, and we've got to tell everybody about that. But the God stories that we share together. And this is what happens when a church starts to grow. People start talking about their church like, you know, this is the place to be. God is in our church and moving. This is awesome. And so when it becomes not just my story, but our story as a group, as a community of believers, or as a family, rather than just a person of that family, then it becomes a momentum story. It becomes a movement story at the second level. And do you know what that movement story does? It's like a flywheel. It multiplies momentum. It has a flywheel effect. There is something contagious. And people in the community are saying, yeah, I hear something going on at that church over there. They're really growing. Gosh, I run into people everywhere that just love that church. That is a momentum. It becomes contagious. Contagion is part of what Christianity is supposed to be all about. It is supposed to be contagious. We are contagious with something good, not like the flu, but like something really, really beneficial. 
not only for our lives, but for eternity and our families and everything that we are and everything that we do. People say things like, oh, man, you won't believe it. Our church is packed out with people. Every worship service. We have to add on parking. We don't know where to put all the people. We have to add another worship service. Oh, our kids love the Sunday school at our church. Oh, the preaching at our church is just off the charts. It's just so good. I mean, I always leave with something. I never walk away saying, well, that was interesting. I always have a personal benefit from being there. I just... I just hate to miss when I'm out of town, and it's just really great. And, oh, our pastor is the nicest person. Oh, man, you should, yeah, you should meet our pastor. Oh, I was in the hospital. And I'll tell you what, you wouldn't believe the number of people that came to visit me. Yeah, the pastor came, and, you know, that's sort of expected. But there are other people that prayed with me and shared the Bible with me and I mean, it it was just phenomenal. The people just poured out love and kindness. Oh, our house burned down. And we weren't even members of that church. But that church raised a bunch of money. And they helped us through a time where we just didn't know what we were going to do. And it was just amazing. You can believe our church. Our church takes prayer requests for anything that's going on in our community and our world. And we actually stop the service and have prayer time where other people besides the preacher pray. And we all follow that as they pray over the microphone. And we got some amazing prayer warriors in our church. And, I mean, we really take God seriously at our church. Oh, you wouldn't believe the Bible class that I go to. It's just phenomenal. I have learned so much. Oh, you ought to see this new Bible, this new translation I've got. I just love it. I I just can't put it down. It just speaks to my heart and my life. And, oh, it just means so much. These are all part of our stories that are movement stories. And you're not telling anybody else to do anything. You're not telling them to come to your church. You're not telling them to to read that new Bible. You're, You're basically just telling a story. But it has the flywheel effect. It's the way movements move. So, number one, my personal story. Then, number two, our story, the story of what's going on with us, our family, our church, more than just me. And number three is the story of now. What requires action now what is your story about the state of the church in america this is the story i'm telling all the time to churches people we are losing our country i remember when ed stetzer a few years ago wrote an editorial that was on the front page of the washington post And the title was, If Protestants Don't Change the Way They Operate, We Have Only 20-some Easter's Left to Celebrate. Now, of course, somebody's going to be always 
celebrating Easter because there will always be some believers. But he was talking about whole branches of Christianity that are going to be gone in 20-some years. Gallup, just a couple weeks ago before I recorded this, came out with new research that 50% of the people, when asked what religion they have, they check the box that says none in the United States. 50%. The story is we're losing our country. And so what happens is the story of now requires action now. This gets people's attention. And movement people not only tell my story and our story, but they tell stories of now, the bigger picture, the kingdom culture. I can tell you my story. God has made a difference in my life. But when I ask the question, would you like to experience that, that's the story of now. Because it challenges you to action. That's the point of number three, the story of now. What are you going to do about it? So movements in three different ways tell those stories. Look, every commercial on television tells a story. And there's the story of now in every one of them. Buy it now. There's 10% off. We're having a sale. Or we've got the best service. Or this works better than any other detergent trying to move you to buy now because every commercial is a story, a movement story to cause you to move. Think about the number of ways that you could use questions or even your own stories and stories about your church, my story, our story, or the story of now, our nation, our legal system, the crimes that are committed, the challenges we face, the story of now. What are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Basically, that's what Jesus did. He told stories. One of the greatest storytellers ever to live on the earth, Jesus, a storyteller. Some people call them parables. They're really just stories. And I like to call them stories because half the people in the world don't even know what a parable is. Jesus told stories, and they're powerful. Just because you call them parables, they aren't powerful unless you share them. And just because they're called stories doesn't make them not powerful. They're stories. So let's talk the language that people understand who aren't Christians. So here's an idea for you. You're one person, and you're part of a church. So why don't you start a movement in your church? Why don't you impact your church to become a movement? Oh, you're not sure you can do that? You're just one person. You're not somebody in charge. You're not on staff. They had no such thing as staff among the disciples. But they learned how to tell stories. Good storytellers. So why don't you start a story? telling movement. Why don't you begin to share what God's doing in your life? Start out with other Christians. Practice with other Christians. Think about the people in your social network where you have influence. Ask questions of them that might give you an opportunity to tell your story. 
Start a movement. Be a movement Christian. Move the movement. Because the two best tools for outreach is Christians identifying a person who is receptive by asking them a question. That's number one. That's the best tool. Ask them a question. How's it going with your wife? Or how's it going with your finances? Or did you get that job yet? I'm interested in you, man. I care about you. How'd the surgery go? How's your kid? That's number one. See how the person responds. If they show receptivity, number two. Let me tell you what God has done in my life. And if it's even remotely close to what their challenge is, as you share your challenge, the one conclusion they're going to come to is, man, that person who shared that story really believes, has really experienced God doing something in their life. That's like, wow, is God really real? Can God really do that for me? That moves people big steps toward God in a relationship with God. So number one, ask your questions and identify if the person is receptive. It might be as simple as, hey, man, I haven't seen you for a while. How's it going? How are you doing? What have you been up to? On an airplane, it might be, so what kind of work do you do? Where are you flying today? Man, I've opened up a lot of good conversations that way. And the second part of that is to say, you know, I remember once when in my life, then you go on and tell something that challenged you. But I really believe that God made a difference. I really think God was with those doctors and nurses when I had that surgery. I think God wanted me to live, wanted me to be better. Nobody's going to argue with that. People only argue doctrine, teaching. And those people aren't ready for Bible teaching yet. Start with stories. So it's not about sharing Bible passages. It's certainly not about preaching at people. The only people that should be preached to are people who are discipled and are disciplers. That's what preaching is all about. You can't make disciples by preaching at anybody because you can't disciple a crowd. Disciples a one-on-one process of those six steps, and it's hands-on doing ministry. That's discipling. But when you have a bunch of disciples, yeah, they need someone to prepare a message and preach to them. But that's not discipling. That's enriching people who have become disciples. If they haven't been become disciples, then there's the danger that you're preaching is misunderstood as consuming. And then, if they're not in the work of discipling, they're not in the work of the church, they want to be fed. They want to get fatter and fatter on nice messages. That in itself isn't bad, except that's not going to grow the church. It just enhances the consumer appetite. The better the sermon, the more they want to consume. And is it helpful? Sure. But what would happen if those people were disciplers? They would be so hungry 
to learn because they're on the front lines. And that's a movement. And that's how a movement moves. The whole concept is that the movement moves around witnessing. Sharing your God stories, what God's done in your life, is way more effective than inviting someone to a worship service before they're ready. And most unchurched people in secular America are not ready to attend a worship service. That wasn't true probably 50 years ago, with many people anyway. But the majority of people now forget it. It sounds crazy, but the rule of thumb, what we know, and you can take this to the bank, do not invite them to church. I know it sounds like heresy, but you could turn them off. They'd just be overwhelmed. It's culture shock. They just can't grasp all that goes on in a worship service. Besides, worship is all about people who are Christians who have grown to love God and want to worship him. Why would somebody who doesn't even know God go to a worship service to worship the God they don't believe in yet? You see where we get the cart before the horse? All about inviting people to church. Now, if they're lapsed Christians, yeah. If they say, I'd really like to try your church, yeah. But most people aren't going to be in that category. So the best thing you can do is share your God stories away from the church. Honestly, you're better off inviting somebody to coffee than you are inviting them to church. Not that way 50 years ago, but welcome to the secular nation in which you now live. And it's the church's fault. It's our fault. Not to make you feel guilty, but maybe to stir you up, get off your seat, and start being part of the solution. Is it a challenge sometimes to start a conversation like that? No, not sometimes. Always. <laughs> it's always a challenge. You don't know what's going to come. You just got to trust God. Oh, but you do trust God. That's what you say if you've got faith. You trust God. There's no risk. Nobody's going to beat you up for asking people questions, even spiritual questions. Because movements require, by definition, movements require risk-taking. If you're not willing to take risks, then you're not a movement person yet. But, you know, if you take risks, you trust God. And if you trust God, he'll take care of you. If he takes care of you and you experience that, you're going to grow in faith. And if you grow in faith, you're going to be more of a movement person. And trust me, God needs people in churches who are movement people. So, yes, I'm suggesting you get uncomfortable. It is absolutely beneficial to get out of your comfort zone. Because when you do, you rely more on God. Hey, listen, have you ever heard of anybody that's been on a mission trip? How'd it go on your mission trip? Oh, man, we went to Central America. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. Oh, hot, really hot. Sweat the whole time, day and night. It was so hot. Oh, my goodness. There were bugs everywhere. Oh, my word. It was just terrible. You know what? 
They had a bunch of food there that I've never even, I don't even know what some of that food was. Oh, golly, we had to sleep on the floor. You know, we had a few blankets, we slept on the floor. Oh, it was just unbelievable. Oh, so did you like it? Oh, my goodness, I loved it. I was, I'm changed forever. Oh, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. So many people that have been on the mission field in a place where they're uncomfortable got out of their comfort zones, got out of their comfortable pew, got out of their comfortable chairs, got out of their comfortable church, and saw God at work through their lives, and they'd do it again in a heartbeat. Bugs, hard floor, heat, strange food, didn't matter. Loved it. Wish I had brought some friends. You hear it all the time. Why is that? Well, here's my theory. The Holy Spirit works most effectively in us when we are off balance, without conveniences, beyond our normal lives. And I hate to say this, but it's true. It's the role of persecution. The church always grows the most under persecution, under pressure. So think about our nation today. You think we're under pressure as people of faith, people of God? Have you seen a newscast lately? Looked at a news magazine? Had a news feed on the Internet? You see, the persecution makes unchurched people hopeless. Christianity and the Christian movement is fueled by hopefulness, but it requires courage. And courage comes from faith. And courage comes from spiritual stories. So when you read Hebrews 11, 1 and 2, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And all of Hebrews 11 is about people that believe God do the impossible. Courage comes from the rediscovery of our values, beliefs, attitudes, priorities, and worldviews. Movements involve hands-on experience. Experience usually requires involvement, not just someone preaching and teaching at you. Discipling is an example of growing others and growing yourself. And as Christian experience... These movements share emotional content. Not just academic content, but emotional content. When you're out there on a mission field, you have emotional content. And that is gold for people like us. Think about the disciples when they saw the first lepers healed or a demonized person delivered. How comfortable do you think they were? It was good for them. Valuable emotional content moves people. And when people move, you've got a movement. And in our next episode, we'll move on to our final and last episode, episode five. God bless you. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. 
check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.